0: We are today in a double emergency, we're in a climate emergency coupled with an emergency caused by fossil fuel cash continuing to fuel corruption and wars. And not sure if you've noticed, but the global agenda seems to have converged. Whether it's climate change, energy independence, household energy poverty because of rising electricity and heating bills, and now wars, inequality, or refugees, it's all become about moving away and very fast from fossil fuels and their evil spell. Climate change, the extraction, transportation of burning of oil, gas, and coal are the problem. Check. Energy independence, countries and citizens are at the mercy of volatility in the price of imported oil, gas, and coal, and that's most of the world. Check. Household energy poverty because of rising electricity and heating bills. Again, dependency on imported oil, gas, and coal is the problem. Check. Wars? Look at Ukraine. Check. Inequality? Look around you. Check. Refugees? Check. In today's episode, I want to take you through a tour of the climate action myth which have been busted by the Ukraine war. So many excuses about so many things that we couldn't do, but now suddenly In a matter of a week or two, we've done them. The same things we've been saying for sometimes a decade and sometimes longer that we couldn't do. But first, I'm going to start with a quick tour of why you should label nonsense. Anything you read about why we should not break our fossil fuel dependency and addiction to oil and gas and coal. And instead, as being argued by fossil fuel stooges, we should ramp up destructive fracking, build LNG terminals, and the like. Welcome to episode 59 of the Angry Clean Energy Guy with me, Asad Rizouk. I am so happy you're here. Thank you. There is so much nonsense about the difficulties of breaking Europe's addiction to fossil gas. And yes, it's not natural gas, it's fossil gas, as those of you who have listened to some of my episodes have heard me say. In short, Europe's addiction to fossil gas must. And it will be inevitably broken. Remember, we have now a climate emergency as well as fossil-fueled wars on our hands. We must break our addiction to fossil gas and oil and coal. No one said it was easy, but it can be done. Remember, we are here because... 20% of the European Union's total energy is from fossil gas, and 40% of that, roughly, comes from Russia. We're also here because big oil interests are everywhere and have stopped a move away from oil and gas before. Because, as a reminder, fossil gas is dirtier than coal when emissions from its supply chain are taken into account. And I have Almost entire podcast episodes about that. Remember that fossil gas feeds continued subservience to oil and gas powers' invested interests. And remember that it worsens the climate emergency. You may also want to remember from time to time that it kills. And so I've compiled for you a checklist of what needs to be done to break that dependency in Europe. Most of these checklist items can be implemented in many other countries around the world. So first, we have to cut the demand for gas. How do we do that? It's not that complicated. People need to start by turning down their thermostats temporarily. And meanwhile, we can commit to converting every building off fossil fuels. The industry will develop even better solutions than what we already have and costs will come down significantly. But the commitment to move buildings off fossil fuels has to be there. Second, we need to cut office heating. We need to manage our fertilizer plants, which are gas guzzlers, better. We need to legislate gas boilers out. I mean, why do we even still have gas boilers? They use fossil gas, they are dangerous to have in the home, and they are polluting machines. We should also scale heat pumps and quickly upscale insulation. All of that can be eminently done. So first, we have to cut demand for gas. And to put some numbers on this, If you lowered European thermostats by just one degree Celsius, you would cut demand for Russian gas by 7%. That's a seven-time multiplier for every degree that you lower your thermostat by. And the same math, by the way, applies to countries that are dependent on air conditioning. And then on top of cutting the thermostat, if you speed it up, the replacement of gas boilers with heat pumps, which operate on electricity and are three times more efficient, you could further cut gas demand by another 2%. So you can see the package. You turn down the thermostats, you cut office heating, you manage your fertilizer plants better, you legislate gas boilers out, you scale heat pumps, and you quickly upscale insulation. So that's the first thing that needs to be done now, cut demand for gas. And coupled with that, a relentless focus on energy efficiency. So when we put together these packages to cut demand for gas, we keep at it. The second thing that needs to be done is to speed up renewables deployment, scale it up, And speed it up massively now. How? There are multiple levers to do so. I'll give you some examples. One of them is you accelerate the process of permitting a solar power plant or a wind power plant. Why? Because solar panels are incredibly easy to install, and rooftops all over Europe are empty Did you know for example that Europe could boost solar power deployment by as much as a crazy 50% just by making approvals more efficient that's 50%. We also have to change the way some European countries go about permitting these things. At the moment in several markets the regulators give you a permit to build a solar farm, then you have to go out and figure how to get the power into the grid. It should be the other way around. Put pressure on the grid operators to tell us where they have enough capacity so that we can add projects faster. And that's just one example. So speed up the permits. Mandate, for example, that all new homes come with rooftop panels and ensure that buildings that produce more solar than they consume can sell it back to the grid. Just those types of measures could accelerate solar deployment by six years. So what we thought we were going to do in 2028, we could do it in 2022. That's add 45 gigawatts of solar power now. We can also accelerate wind deployment, again, just by speeding up permits. Did you know, for example, that you need about a room full of documents to get a wind power project permitted in some European countries? And did you know that you are still required in some areas in Europe to bring printed applications of literally tens of thousands of pages down to local planning offices? I mean, if they were trying to slow down renewables deployment, they couldn't go about it any better. That's of euros in paperwork alone, plus logistics, plus headaches, plus the, the always forgotten piece of paper. To speed up renewables, we also need to prioritize major projects. They're all sitting and waiting. Take them off the shelf, regulators, prioritize them, and accelerate them. You could add at least 20 gigawatts of wind power to the grid much faster than otherwise if you did that. And streamline government policies so that we can add more battery storage systems. We need the batteries to be there to accelerate renewables deployment more. And one final thought on accelerating renewables deployment, we need cables. We need cables to efficiently move abundant wind energy from Northern Europe down to Southern Europe, and we need some more cables to move solar power from North Africa into Southern Europe. These cables aren't complicated they can be done. There just needs to be the political will to do them. And surely a combination of a climate emergency and a fossil fuel powered war should be enough to make all this happen. So what else do we need to do to break Europe's addiction to gas? As I argued, number one, we should cut demand for gas, and number two, we should accelerate renewables deployment. There are many other things that should be done. For example, number three, we should delay nuclear power shutdowns in Europe. I don't think that's controversial. The nuclear power plants are sitting there, and they should just keep producing energy until we moved Europe to 100% clean energy. It takes maybe 15 years to build a new nuclear power plant. So we don't need to go there. Solar and wind and batteries will deploy far, far faster. But meanwhile, nuclear power can be extremely useful if it's just sitting there in cutting demand for gas. We also need to do more ambitious things. We need to build green hydrogen storage, for example. The EU is already planning on doing that, but once again, it can go faster. Project planning, manufacturing, construction, all of it can be speeded up. What else can we do? We can speed up electrification across the board. Did you know, for example, that SUVs alone, just SUVs, so big cars, are responsible? For the extra growth in oil demand from cars since the last time oil prices spiked. So we make cars more efficient, but then we add these gas guzzlers on top. That has to stop. And 50% of all the cars sold in the US are SUVs. Now, speeding up electrification and the electric car fleet, or bus fleet, or scooter fleet is One example will dent oil demand permanently. So, in Norway, for example, where EVs are 15% of the total cars on the road, oil demand has gone down 10% over the last decade just because we've added these electric cars. And a reminder as recently as a month ago, everybody said. Oh, we could not get off Russian gas. It's impossible. Suddenly, it became doable. Then, the International Energy Agency stepped up and said we can cut half of it within this year. So, I don't think you should accept to hear any more nonsense about the difficulty of breaking Europe or any other country's dependence on fossil gas. It must be done, it can be done, and we're just going to do it. Thank you so much for listening this far. I now want to move to the top five climate action myths that were busted by the Ukraine war. So these are things we were told just couldn't be done, which suddenly were done. Things we were told for years couldn't be done. And then overnight, they were just there. And here is my top five. Number five. Do you remember how oil companies, as recently as two months ago, just couldn't do anything about getting to net zero until 2050. And do you remember how they were dragging their feet? And still are, obviously. Well, guess what? In just a matter of days, BP and Shell did the previously unthinkable. They both exited Russia at a cost of anywhere From 25 billion to 50 billion dollars to them, which guess what? It turns out they can live with perfectly well. So they could write off their entire Russian oil and gas footprint and survive and thrive. And they can do it instantly. So the number five climate action myth busted is that oil companies can't move fast. They can when they want, and when they have to, and when we force them to. The number four climate action myth busted by the Ukraine war is this one. Do you remember how BlackRock, the world's largest asset management firm, for years and years and years, said that it couldn't do anything about the fossil fuel stocks that it was backing, through its passive funds, so its funds that invested automatically according to what was in an index. And do you remember how MSCI, one of the world's leading indices, also said the same thing? Well, guess what? MSCI became the first index provider to overnight completely remove Russian companies. And then BlackRock Excluded all Russian companies from its active and its passive funds, despite repeated excuses for years that it could not do so. I mean, four weeks ago, they could not do any of this at all. So clearly, if they wanted to remove fossil fuel companies from their portfolios, whether passive or not, they can if they wanted to select those companies with no transition plans and greenwashing parties left, right, and center, they can. And so that's the number four climate action myth busted. Number three. Do you remember how we had a long song and dance fueled by the gas lobby about taxonomy in the EU? You should remember because this ran all the way until a couple of months ago. So for years, the European Union backed fossil gas as a stepping stone to renewables. For years. And just a few months ago, the European Commission went further and defined gas as a sustainable investment. That's defining natural gas as a sustainable investment alongside the green economy. Wait. What? Gas as a sustainable investment? Surely by looking at their TV screens, the European Commission today knows better. I think the Ukraine war showed them quite clearly that this was and is a joke. Gas has to be removed from the EU's definition of sustainable investments. Please stop with the time-wasting and climate inaction. The number two climate action myth that was busted is that the insurance companies and the banks were just doing all they can in complicated processes and procedures where they were just computing everything and doing their hardest to move, but that really they couldn't do much before 2050, all of them because you know going to net zero and transitioning away from fossil fuels is so difficult etc 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 well guess what the UK government shot Russian aviation and space companies out of its insurance market with the stroke of a pen and so suddenly all insurance companies could no longer insure Russian airlines Just overnight, they lost their insurance, which means it's almost impossible for them to fly. Well, it is impossible for them to fly unless they find other insurance. So, if other countries join that, at the very minimum, insurance might still be available, but it would become extremely expensive. Now, what does this mean? That means that the rearguard action by insurance companies and banks. On climate action can be stopped imagine for example deciding that insurance companies and banks which continued to back companies with no transition plans or weak transition plans to net zero could no longer be insured or lent money to well now we know that we can this actually can be done and the banks and the insurance companies aren't doing it, but they can and they must. And my number one climate action myth busted is the bit about how climate action costs a lot of money, which has to, you know, be thought through very carefully and come over decades slowly and, and what have you. This has been double busted. It's been busted first by the COVID-19 pandemic because in the COVID-19 crisis, $18 trillion, trillion, $18 trillion appeared magically to attack the problem and solve it. And now, with the Ukraine war, Germany alone instantly found 200 billion euros to accelerate its renewable energy deployment by 15 years. So Germany found 200 billion that apparently weren't there four weeks ago to bring forward its goal of being 100% powered by renewable energy from 2050 to 2035. I mean, That just shows you how much we have not done and how we always had the money to do it. And so my number one climate action myth busted is that climate action is either unaffordable or expensive. Thank you so much for listening to this episode 59 of the angry, clean energy guy with me, Asad Razouk As ever, if you like it, tell your friends, share it, or rate it. Have a great couple of weeks.